Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. Good morning. How y'all doing? Awesome, awesome. Open your Bible to John chapter 16. It's good to see all your beautiful faces. Welcome back to America, Ozzy. Good to have you back. I'd leave Australia too right now. Let's pray. We're going to get into the Word. Father, we love you today. Bless you. Thank you for your goodness. Lord, we love to worship you. We love your presence, and we're thankful today, Father, that when we showed up in this place, you were here. We welcome your presence, Father God. We welcome the Holy Spirit of God today to minister to us, to give revelation, inspiration, understanding of your word. I pray today, Father, that all the things that you've been speaking to me, I believe you've been speaking to this house. And I pray today that as we open up the word together, Lord, that you would be glorified and our lives would benefit from the power of the anointed word of the living God. So we give you all praise, honor, and glory this morning in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say a big amen. Amen. All right, John chapter 16. I'd love to take the time to read the whole chapter, but uh, I'm not. And uh, I would encourage you to do it if you haven't done it in the last few weeks. John 16 is almost uh, entirely in the red, which means it's the words that Jesus spoke as he was declaring right before he was going to depart uh, this world through uh, the door of death and the door of resurrection, uh, he was imparting some powerful truths to his disciples. And um, in the process of doing that, uh, obviously the next chapter, John chapter 16, the next chapter would be... Wow. Y'all thought it was a trick question, right? The next chapter would be what? There we go. It's not a trick question. So John chapter 17, as most of you know, is probably uh, one of my favorite chapters in all the Bible because it's the prayer that Jesus prayed and it was recorded uh, by John, uh, the prayer that he prayed to the Father, first of all, for himself. He knew what he was about to walk through. Uh, He prayed for uh, the disciples of that day, those that had been walking with him. And then, uh, I don't know about you, but I'm really glad that he threw us in there as well. He prayed for those that would be coming after them. And that is us in 2022. We are that generation of believers uh, that Jesus prayed for. And so, uh, in preparation for that prayer, uh, Jesus is revealing one last time. We we started this several months ago in John chapter 14 in the significance of what Jesus was saying to his disciples, not just to the 12, but to the 70, to the 120, to the 500, to how many of them were there. He was speaking and preparing them for the need of the person of the Holy Spirit. He knew the weakness and the frailty of the men that had been walking with him, the men and the women, and uh, he knew something that most religious people freak out every time I ever say this in church, but 
He, Jesus, knew that he was not enough. Do you hear what I said? Jesus wasn't enough. Boy, in our religious mindset, we're like, oh, I rebuke you, pastor, in the name of the one true living God, Jesus. Especially those who believe Jesus-only doctrine. But Jesus had been walking with his disciples and allowing them to witness the significance of all that he had been doing in those three years that they had been walking. They got to witness, first of all, all the powerful truths, the stories, the parables that he spoke. He, they got the intimacy of three years of camping out, basically, with Jesus for three solid years. They had sat by the fire. They had talked. They had been rebuked. They had been encouraged. They had been discipled. And in the midst of it, you see the disciples still in all of their frailty, like right in front of Jesus, they start arguing about which one of them is the greatest. Come on, somebody. You have any friends like that? <laughs> I mean, seriously, you would think they would at least waited till Jesus wasn't, you know, in the campsite to talk about which one of us. You know, two of the boys had their mama go to him. Come on, somebody. I mean, these were grown men. And she went to Jesus to ensure that they would be seated at his right hand and left hand. And he said, you don't even know what you're asking. And they arrogantly said, oh, yes, we do, and we can handle it. Kind of like Peter saying, Lord, all the rest of these yo-yos, they're going to probably fail you, but not me. Now, that is why we have John 16. That's why we have John 14, 15, and 16. Because Jesus knew that he was not enough. That no matter what he did in front of them, with them, before them, that there was a power lacking in their life. One, one of the great stories to me uh, out of all of this is when Peter denied the Lord the third time. And one of the writers writes it like this, that when he denied and the rooster crowed, Jesus looked up from where he was being tormented and beating, beating, beaded, beating, beat, beat, spat upon. He looked up across the courtyard and he eyes, Jesus, he eyes Peter. Wow. I don't know about you, but I'd have done the same thing Peter did. I'm out of here. Now, what Peter did was no worse or less than what Judas did. Except Judas, lacking the relationship, obviously, that Peter had with Christ, Peter found a place of repentance, broken, crying, struggling, condemned, self-condemnation. And yet, he knew Jesus. And those eyes 
that had looked upon him were not eyes of judgment or condemnation. So I think it's so fascinating that three days later when Jesus had come out of the grave and Mary and the ladies had gone and the angel said, go tell the disciples. Come on. And Peter. Peter needed that. Go tell the disciples and Peter what you have seen. So back here to John chapter 16, beginning with verse 1. Jesus said, I have said all these things to you, listen to this, to keep you from falling away. The heart of Jesus 2,000 years ago, the heart of Jesus today. During worship, I was back here behind the curtains, just walking and praying. And all of a sudden, the, the freshness of, of Christ's love for you and I and how he's making intercession for you and I right here in 2022, his intercession is that we won't fall away. That nothing the enemy brings against us would deceive us enough that we would walk away. Come on, I, I, to be honest, I can't even understand how people walk away. I mean, what are they walking away to? What are they going back to? What was it that was so great in their past that when Christ the Redeemer came and saved them, that they would hang on to something that was worth going back to? I don't know. Maybe it's because... You know, I'm 65 today. Maybe it's because of the battle I've been through. But I don't understand any thought process that would say, walk away from your Redeemer. Go put your trust in you. There's, there's nothing in me that's any good. Anything that's good in you and I is what? Christ in us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. And so Jesus says... To his disciples, my prayer through all of this is to keep you. And, and then, you know, if you sneak over to John 17, and please don't do that while I'm preaching, but right there in the first few verses, Jesus prays that we would know the Father as he knows the Father. Today, in every sense of the word in John 16, I am preaching about the trinity of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All three are equal. All three are God. All three are vitally important, and yet the Holy Spirit the one who Jesus said, it's imperative to the disciples that I go away because in my going, the Father is going to send the promise of the Holy Spirit of God. Because up to this point, you have not received him. Not received it. The Holy Spirit is not an object. It's not a thing. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead. Everything that God is, Holy Spirit is. Everything that God does, he does through the Holy Spirit. 
Everything Jesus said that I say, I only say it because I've heard the Father say it. I've heard the Holy Spirit say it. You remember when Jesus first came on the scene, John, his cousin, which I don't fully understand the whole story of John the Baptist, the cousin, because, because obviously John knew who Jesus was. Obviously, John had been told by his mother about the time when Aunt Mary, or was it Cousin Mary? Cousin Mary came to visit Elizabeth, and, and the baby, John, started kicking and doing a hallelujah, woo at the presence of the Son of God that his cousin his auntie, whatever, was in carrying that child. And so Jesus declares and had declared all along to the disciples the necessity of the coming one and our need for the Holy Spirit. We are a Christian church Spirit-filled church, Pentecostal church, we're a church that loves God and honors God. And whatever terminology you feel the need to put on, the reality is we believe the Bible from the beginning to the end. All the promises of God are yes and amen, even the bad ones. There are bad promises. There are curses that many of us have walked out of in our life through the salvation and the blood of Jesus Christ and cleansing and repentance and redemption. And though we were once lost, now we're found. Though we were blind, now we see. Though we were once ignorant, now we have the Holy Spirit in our life. And he's not an it. He's not an object. He's not something that we just... The Holy Spirit of God is the person that came to live right here. And early this morning, as I was just meditating on God's goodness, I just started speaking to the Holy Spirit like he was right there. Because he's right there. I didn't have to wait to get to church to say good morning, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God, these promises that Jesus speaks about in John 16 to the disciples. It's because he knew that with the Holy Spirit... There was absolutely nothing that would be impossible with his disciples. That everything that he had wanted for them was not able to come to pass until he departed this world. Man, for our religious mind, that just kind of blows us away because we were taught our whole life, Jesus is he's the only way, he's it. He's, he's it. But, but it was because we separated Jesus from the Holy Spirit when they're not separated at all. Each one has a 
purpose and a point and a reason. And this morning, as I was just worshiping and praying, I got deeply convicted of sins that I've committed, even though I'd repented of them. Because all of a sudden this morning, I had this revelation that not only was it offensive to God, but it was offensive to the Holy Spirit that was living in me. And just because I committed a sin, the Holy Spirit's not going to run out, reject you, and go, nope, I'm done with you. It was the Holy Spirit in me that brought the revelation, do you really want to do this? Is this really what you want the fruit of your life to be? Now, for those of you that are sitting there with eyes of judgment wondering what pastor's sins were, <laughs> you might want to whip out your little mirror because there's none, not one that's righteous outside of the righteousness of God. We're, we're forgiven, whether it's pre-salvation or post-salvation. And we make mistakes and we fail. And sometimes we just do stupid stuff. Anybody besides myself done something stupid since you got saved? Let me see your hand. Because, I, I mean, if there's too many of you, I'm going to just go ahead and stop and have an altar call right now. Man, haven't you done something stupid since you were saved? Forgiven, redeemed. God's love came into you. Jesus was revealed. Man, you got a revelation of the Christ and the Holy Spirit of God. You invited him to come into your life, and then you did something so offensive. You thought something so offensive. I love that in this house, we have this ministry that's reaching out. What's it called again? The Conquer Series. Because we, we recognize and realize Women and men have different issues. Is that the right word? We have different things happening in our life. And most of us men don't need to deal with the sin of what our wife or mother or sister is going through because that's probably not something that you're tempted with. And you women sometimes really struggle with why is my man, why is my husband, why is my father, why is my brother, why is my son? Why are, why are they dealing with this? Because we're flesh and blood. And I'm thankful that we have rejected pride and said, you know what? There are some areas that men are going through that need other men speaking into their life and dealing with this thing until it becomes by revelation a reality. I don't want this ever again to be a part of my life. Neither do I want to wait till I'm just so old, I, don't even, I can't even be tempted anymore. <laughs> Come on, somebody, you know what I'm talking about, right? You remember the story of David, right? They wanted to know if he was dead or alive. David had had a weakness. And I'm thinking, Wow. Talking about exploiting the king's weakness. Get a young, beautiful virgin, put her in bed next to the king, and let's see if he's alive or dead. <laughs> Come on. That was exactly what happened. But the reality is, 
listen to me, whether you're a male or female, every onslaught, attack, lie, deception of the enemy does not have to be a part of your destiny. Might be a part of your past. Might be a part of, uh, of that weakness, that failure. But there comes a time when by the power of the Holy Spirit, you acknowledge that sin, you confess that sin, you denounce that sin, you walk away from that sin, and no longer will it have a place in your life. Amen? Come on, somebody. That's, that's the promise of God. I had the privilege this week of going and speaking to uh, a group of our young men, 10 to 14, that uh, some of the dads had gotten together and, and were doing a, a weekly uh, workout. I mean, workout, boy, those boys were nasty, sweaty. By the time it was my turn to speak to them, they stunk. I was like, I had to have a pair of, you know, uh, something on my nose. These boys had been, I mean, they were just sweating profusely. I was like, man, I'm thank, thank the Lord they were inside air conditioning and sweating like that. But, but I looked at these boys and I listened to these sons of the house. And first of all, I was so grateful for the privilege of hearing these young 10 to 14-year-old boys quote the Word of God, talk about the Word of God, talk about the need for God in their life, talk about the important characters in the, in the old covenant that that had touched their life, and why that particular character, whether it was David and Goliath, or Daniel and the lion's den, or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or Gideon hiding out behind his dad's barn, that they, 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 had, they, they had prepared to come and to hear and to give. And I thought, these young men, about, a, about as many as Jesus had called around himself, have the ability that even the disciples did not have until after Christ was gone. From the earliest age, these boys, filled with the Holy Spirit of God, enabled by the power of God to live victorious because of their relationship, listen to me, all the days of their life. All the days of their life, not some of them. Not, well, I hope they make it through their teenage years. No, no, no. I believe that if you raise up young men and young girls with that kind of purpose and passion and, and help them to understand their need of the Holy Spirit from the earliest age, that they will be empowered through their teenage years, through their college years, into their young adulthood. They'll choose righteously who they're going to marry and spend the rest of their life with. They'll choose why? Because there's something special? No, because the one they serve is special. Because the Holy Spirit of God has promised to come in and to live within them. And, and, as, we, and as we teach them to honor the Holy Spirit and to re, depend upon the Holy Spirit and, and to uh, recognize who the Holy Spirit is every day of their life. Listen, every time they're even tempted to sin, this is my prayer. For all of us, is that you get a revelation that it's not just God that you're disappointing, but God the Holy Spirit that lives in you. What do you want Him to do while you're committing this sin? While you're flipping this page, while you're looking through this internet post, what do you want the Holy Spirit to do? 
You want him to take a break? Mm. You want him to take a five-minute coffee? Holy Spirit, give me five. Give me 30. Or is that 60? That's 30? Give me 60. The whole, give me the full timeout. That's for all you basketball fans. Some of you are sitting there, what in the world is he talking about? He's too many drugs this morning. Man, the Holy Spirit. Where do you want him to go when you want to take a break from your walk because it's not Sunday? And, and, and you're being tempted. Why not say, Holy Spirit, whoo, help! Holy Spirit, help! I, I'm thinking some things I don't want to be thinking. You know what will happen when that when you, when you openly confess that to the Holy Spirit, man, he'll start telling you what you need to do. Probably start worshiping. It's hard to worship and look at porn. I mean, I hope it is. I hope you're not sitting there singing that song we sang. What was that first song this morning? Hell, hell, like, woo! Man, that song just gives me chill bumps. I hope you can't listen to that and look at porn. Or whatever it is your thing is. Man, Holy Spirit. Verse 4 of chapter 16, Jesus said, But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. None of you ask me where are you going, but because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage, what is it? To your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Man, I could just preach that right there for an hour this morning. You, you see, I believe that had the disciples just, and I don't know, listen, I don't know if God had just kept them from understanding to this point. I mean, I really don't. Because some of the things Jesus said, you know, I, I'm definitely not the smartest cookie in the cookie jar. But there are things that Jesus said to the disciples that I'm thinking, okay, without the Holy Spirit, could I get this? And I'm thinking, yeah. I, it's pretty simple what he said. I'm going to go. I'm going to be beaten, spat upon, lied about, accused. I'm going to die. Then I'm going to be raised from the dead in three days. And I'm thinking, okay, I get that. But somehow the disciples didn't get it. And I, I really believe that had they been able to get it, that this whole process that Jesus had to walk through, because it was prophetic, from the Old Testament, it was declared, and in Christ it was revealed, and he walked through it in obedience. And by the time he's hanging on the cross, there's only one disciple, John, with four or five of the ladies. They're standing at a distance, and they're grieving and weeping. 
over the Christ, Mary's son, the son of God, hanging on a tree. It's horrible. For, the, for all of you that watched The Passion, you, you realize the significance of the horror of the way that Christ was killed. And yet, Jesus knew all along it was temporal. And the disciples, I don't know where the ten of them went. I mean, you think about it. Peter, he, he might have still been running. John shows up with the ladies. The Christ is dying. But he's coming back to life. And Jesus speaks to them and says, if you understood, you wouldn't sorrow. Because they were sorrowing as though Christ was forever dead. That's why I say every time we have a celebration of a believer's life who has gone before us and departed this world into the presence of Jesus, we sorrow, but we do not weep in sorrow like unbelievers. We don't weep as though we're never going to see this person again. The other day I was flipping through a file, and inside the file was the celebration service of Steve Schaff and L. Clark. And when I opened it, it was kind of like a shock. Because sometimes in my mind, I think, no, they're not in heaven, they're still here. L's on a trip, and Steve's off coaching golf. And hell is on a trip, and Steve is probably coaching golf <laughs> in heaven right now. But when I looked at their pictures, I both for a second grieved at temporal loss. And then I rejoiced. They've gone before us. They're in the presence of the living God and the Christ. And one day's Soon, we're going to depart this world and be with them. One day, every person in this room will no longer be here. How we live and how we trust the Holy Spirit of God and, and how we receive the Holy Spirit of God so that we can do and be what God has called us to be and do and to give our lives to, that if we fully understand how temporal our life is and how short our life is, we would get serious about saying, God, I don't want to waste another moment of my life. I don't want to waste another breath. Don't want to wait till I'm 65 or 70 or 75 and get diagnosed with something before I get serious about, God, what is it? Holy Spirit, what do you want to do in me? What do you want to do through me? What do you want to do by me? Holy Spirit, I need you. I need the revelation. I need inspiration. I need understanding. That's why, that's why the Lord wants you so much, so desperately in his word every single day, hungering and thirsting for the word of God and for what Holy Spirit might say to you today. And why the enemy brings so many distractions in 2022 in your life. Today, we need to acknowledge. See, Jesus said... Went on in verse 8, he said, When the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and 
righteousness and judgment. He said, concerning sin, because they don't believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. And then verse 13, and I'm going to begin to close with this. When the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, comes, He will guide you into all truth. Not some. Hear me this morning, church. As a church that recognizes and is not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ or of the Holy Spirit of God. What is it in this day, this age, this world, this time and this season that Holy Spirit wants to use you? See, the Holy Spirit wasn't given just to ministers. Except, well, yeah, he was too. He was actually given to ministers, which all of us are. Once you're saved, filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not just the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. We're all called as saints of God to be ministers. Ministers that cannot minister outside of the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit, when you invite him into your life, he doesn't just come to enable you to pray in tongues, even though praying in tongues is wonderful and powerful, and I pray in tongues every day of my life. Sometimes I feel like I'm praying in a language that is familiar to someone in the world. Sometimes I feel like I'm praying a total heavenly language. Sometimes I experience such a power Paul said it. He said, he, he, he declared, I pray in the Spirit more than you all. He had a need, a necessity for power in his life, and he knew there's no power without the Holy Spirit. Jude says, building yourself up in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. See, praying in the Holy Spirit is not what we do on Sunday. Or at a prayer meeting during the week. It's what you do every single day of your life. Why? Because you're acknowledging, you're recognizing who he is. And that through that prayer language, something happens in your life. We pray in our understanding, we pray in the spirit. We sing in our understanding, we sing in the spirit. There are times when praying in my understanding is just not enough. And I slip right into praying in the spirit. And you can pray in the Spirit until you have a release and you know that whatever it was, God's brought an answer to it. Sometimes it's a minute, sometimes five, sometimes 20 minutes, sometimes an hour. First time I prayed in the Spirit, I prayed for two solid hours. Just sitting against a wall, experiencing a cleansing, a refreshing, a healing, sin being cleansed out of my life, power coming into my life like I had never known before in my life. Love Jesus at eight. At 18, still living for Jesus like this. Because I was living for Jesus all on my own. Sundays were easy once you got through worship and repenting. But then Monday came along by Friday. Most believers that are trying to live for God without the Holy Spirit find themselves in deep failure. We need the Holy Spirit. 
We need the Holy Spirit in our life to impart, to teach, to help, to challenge, to convict. And so I encourage you this morning. That whether you have already received the Holy Spirit of God or you have yet to receive. Peter and some of the disciples came into one of the towns and they were asked to preach and they asked the question, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they said, of this Holy Spirit we know not of. What were you baptized in? We were baptized in John's baptism. And Peter starts trying to share about the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit just gets impatient with them and just comes on them. <laughs> and, and, and the power of God comes on them. And they begin to pray in a heavenly language. I was reading the story again last night of the early church when the 120 received the Holy Spirit and fire came down and hovered above each one of them. And, and the city was filled with Jews from every nation in the world had come. And it says that they heard the sound of the wind throughout Jerusalem. And they began to go out of their houses and they began to look, where's this sound coming from? And then they heard these people praising God, hear me, in their own language. And I love how the book of Acts goes ahead and just begins to, to name all the different nations that were represented. And it says they all heard these 120 Galileans or hillbillies, unlearned, untrained people, praising and worshiping the living God in their own language. I don't know if you've ever got this. It wasn't like one pers person from Asia heard one of the 120 worshiping God in Asia. No, I believe they heard the whole 120 worshiping God in their language. And the Medes, the Persians, and all the others were hearing the 120, but they were hearing it in their language. First time since the Tower of Babel, when the voice was unified. Wow. Never thought about that until yesterday. They heard the worship of the saints. The world that we live in today needs to hear the worship of the saints. They need to see our love for God. They need to see our passion for the purposes and plans of God. They don't need to see believers as just people that are against everything. I'm only against Satan. And I'm for God and all of his glory and all the magnificent things that he wants to do in our life. I want to recommend this book by Robert Morris. I recommended it earlier. This book, I have read pretty much almost every book that's on the shelves about the Holy Spirit over the last 35, 40 years. This book, it's titled The God I Never Knew. God, the Holy Spirit. Robert, by the anointing of the Holy Spirit, writes in a way that will encourage you, challenge you, stir you, convict you. 
help you. I encourage you to get this book. And right along with the Bible, just take a couple of months. There's actually a, a, a study guide in the back, I believe, for almost every chapter. And I'd encourage you to get the book with your Bible and use it for your personal devotions for a couple of months. Because church, the world needs those who love God, the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And let our lives be evidence of His goodness. We can't do it on our own. We need the Holy Spirit. Robert tells a story in this book, and, and, and now I'm really closing. And it's an, it's an interesting story because the concept is he's trying to make a point about how much we need the Holy Spirit. And he tells a story about a man, poor man in Eastern Europe in the early 1900s. Him and his family wanted to come to America for a better life. And so they worked hard, and they saved all the money they could save, and this man, his wife, children decided that the father would go ahead of them, get to America, get a job, make money, and then when he had made enough, he would send for the family to come. And so they gathered all their money and he bought a ticket on a ship, 21 days. It was going to take him to get to the promised land, America. And so he had just a little bit of money left after purchasing the ticket. And he knew he would need that money to get a place to live and to, to buy a few things and to start working and to make an opportunity to get his family as soon as he could. And so he knew he couldn't afford to buy three meals a day for 21 days. So him and his wife went out and they bought a block of cheese and a box of crackers. And he rationed as the ship set sail. He he rationed his cheese. He, he cut it for 21 days and he rationed his crackers. And, and during the voyage, every once in a while during mealtime, he would leave his little bunk and he would go and he would look through the windows of where everybody was being fed. And man, that food looked good. It was plentiful. Everybody was eating. Everybody seemed to be having a good time. And he would turn and begin to walk back to his room with the thought, one day I'll make enough money that I'll eat a meal like that. Twenty days came and went. And on the 21st day, the molded cheese is now gone. The crackers have been eaten. He's hungry. He goes out of his room out to the rail of the ship as the word had gone through the ship that soon you would be able to see that beautiful statue in Ellis Island where they would come in and be worked through the process for their new homeland. And he's standing by the rail next to a steward and they begin a conversation talking back and forth. And the steward finally turns to him and he says, Sir, can I ask you a question? He said, Why is it that every day at mealtime 
you never came and ate. And he said, well, sir, he said, I'm a poor man. My wife and I and our children trying to get to America. So we worked hard and I saved everything I could to buy this ticket. I couldn't afford to buy meal tickets. And so uh, I just bought cheese and crackers. I've been eating that because the little bit of money I have left, I've got to use when I get off of this ship and begin to prepare for my family to come. And all of a sudden the steward looked at him in shock, turned to wonderment. And he said, but, but sir, the ticket you purchased provided three meals a day. And we set a place at the table every day for you. She never showed up. And all that blessing of all of those meals too late to redeem. And many believers today are like that man. They're they're looking through the window and saying, wow, look at how that believer lives in victory. Look at how that believer is used by God to encourage people and help. Look Look at what those people do. Never realizing that the Holy Spirit is for all of us. All of us. The promise is yes and amen for today, for right now. Don't be like that man. Realize, know that God has given you. You're so important to him. You're his son. You're his daughter. And he's given us the Holy Spirit to radically change our life and that we spend our lives as believers not want to be believers but those who humbly receive the fullness of all that God has and he uses us in significant ways because It's not about you receiving a gift that makes you look good. It's about you receiving a gift that's used to touch other lives. See, the Holy Spirit has come to dwell in us, to enable us, to empower us, to strengthen us, to be a blessing to the world that we live in. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.